So there's this thing called the reading wars. If you're a certain type of parent, maybe the kind that listens to podcasts like this one, you probably know all about this already. You know about the debate between proponents of systematic phonics on the one hand and whole language activists on the other. Or maybe not. If you need a refresher, systematic phonics, also known as the science of reading, explicitly teaches children letter sounds correspondent. Ah, apple, and so on. Students are taught to blend sounds together so that k, a, t becomes cat. And they may even learn the mysterious schwa sound. By contrast, whole language, sometimes called balanced literacy, focuses on memorization, using context like pictures to guess at the meaning of words, and skipping words they don't know. It asserts that reading comes naturally to young children through exposure the way language does and doesn't require explicit instruction. Here's the thing to know about the reading wars. The war is over and whole language lost. It has been debunked, disproven by decades of cognitive research, by the experiences of educators who have faithfully implemented curriculum day after day only to see kids still not reading, and by national assessments of reading ability that show how poorly our young people perform, despite myriad opportunity and cycles and cycles of reform. The science of reading works. It lines up with empirical research and just plain common sense. If you want to learn how to do a thing, it's super helpful if a competent teacher explains its rules, assumptions, and component parts. We don't learn to cook by eating dinner, and no one has ever become a pilot by flying in economy class. Yet whole language champions are still out there, staggering forward like some punch-drunk boxer who doesn't know he's been counted out. States and districts continue to spend untold millions of dollars on these curricula, engaging in misguided efforts like the combatants of the 1815 Battle of New Orleans, who fought and killed a full 15 days after a peace treaty was signed to end the war. There were 2,000 needless casualties that day back in the final battle of the War of 1812, but the real casualties here are the young people who are not armed with the skills they need to succeed in an ever harder world. The kids who were taught a flat-earth theory of reading, daily instructed to guess at words instead of sounding them out, to look at pictures instead of decoding text, and just like wish and hope that some radical osmosis would transfer a complex skill into their frontal lobes without explicit instruction and clear support. But what about Oakland? How do we teach kids to read in the town? For the last few years, Oakland Unified has been leaning hard into the science of reading and rejecting the balanced literacy snake oil. Our district has deployed new curriculum, focused on explicit phonics instruction, and added early literacy reading tutors across our elementary schools to ensure that our youngest learners have a strong foundation of skill and knowledge to build towards college and a great career. Today we talked to Romy Trigg-Smith, Director of Early Literacy Instruction, about this work and some of the misconceptions about reading instruction in Oakland Unified. Welcome to the Grow With Us podcast. Today, we are joined by Romy Trigg-Smith, the Director of Early Literacy. Welcome to Grow With Us. Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah, we're happy to have you. So one of the things we have to say first is one of our commitments on this podcast, and I think I, I can see that already there's some anxiety, but is a commitment to acronym-free discourse. So can we talk about reading without acronyms. Oh boy, I will do my best. Thank you. Ooh. All right. Well, okay. I mean, if we need to, you know, like we, yeah. we don't have like a wooha horn or anything if you if you lapse into an acronym, but we might stop and like unpack You'll give me the it. eyes. Yeah, You'll give yeah, me the yeah. eyes. Okay. Um, 
So you're the director of early literacy. Congratulations. Thank you. What do we mean by early literacy? Yeah, great question. Um, We mean all of the things that a student or kid would want to know in the early years um, in order to become a stronger reader, writer, speaker, and listener. So all those competencies, the strategies, the skills, um, all of those things is what we mean. And what kind of brought you to this role, like your experience, your background um, in, in early literacy? Good question. I transitioned into this role in the height of the pandemic after being a principal at Greenleaf TK through eight. I was there for five years. Absolutely love my community. Uh, Miss it dearly. And a longtime first grade teacher prior to that. Let's just kind of engage. How does Oakland Unified teach reading? Like, what is it that we do and what's the approach? Such a good question. I think such a good question because we have really shifted in the way that we teach reading. I'm really proud of this shift. Uh, um, again, in the height of the pandemic, we moved to make sure that all the minutes with our babies are evidence-based um, and the curriculum that we're using really supports them. Um, so we make sure that we're looking at instructional schedules and the minutes that our kids get and that all of those are aligned to research. So we make sure that that um, from the very beginning, our TK kinders, they're getting really explicit support in decoding and phonics and phonological awareness, um, letter naming support. But they're also getting really rich experiences with complex text, culturally relevant text, um, tasks, uh, rich writing tasks, um, discussion uh, around those complex texts. Um, but they're also building language skills. A lot of our students are English language learners, so we make sure that they have access to those texts by breaking it down. We make sure that they have opportunities to dive into vocabulary and learn that vocabulary, but also look at the syntax of um, sentences and unpack sentences really closely. Um, So we're really um, making sure that all the minutes our students receive are um, aligned to the science of reading. I feel like science of reading is a really big buzzword. It's been around for a long Mm -hmm, time. mm -hmm. Um, But we've specifically adopted curriculum for all of um, what I just spoke to, to make sure that our teachers aren't having to make anything from scratch. They're relying on really high quality instructional materials um, to support them with what does the phonics block need to look like? What are my foundational skill um, strategies And I can speak to curriculum a little bit if you want me to get into the weeds. We've adopted. We uh, moved away from Calkins and did so at a really difficult time. We pushed through even while we were on Zoom and teaching kids through their Mm -hmm. computer um, a curriculum adoption because we knew it was best for kids. We knew that our kiddos needed to have a really rich knowledge building curriculum um, that allowed them to go deep into science and social studies topics while building really strong higher order reading thinking skills, right? like inferential thinking, thinking about theme, citing evidence. Um, And so we adopted EL Education. This is our third year with implementation Mm district-wide in all of our English-only programs. We still use Benchmark for dual language programs. Um, And it's... um, I think just been such an amazing move and shift for our district 
albeit very challenging, of Mm -hmm. course, for everyone, but very worth it. Um, And I think one of the things I'm really proud of, and I don't sit in Elma, but... um, Wait, sit in what? Sit in Elma. Oh, no. The acronyms in our technical department. (laughs) I'm in the academics department. um, Is the work that we've done for our English language learners Mm -hmm. um, around that language development strand. So if you break down reading and you think of those two big strands um, that you need to develop, right? that decoding strand Mm -hmm. and that comprehension strand to build that language comprehension to understand like the word that you're lifting up the uh, off the page and like that meaning behind it is obviously easier for someone that has learned English all their life Mm -hmm. right and they have that background knowledge but for English language learners that's what we really need to provide them in a dedicated space so the work that our um multilingual department our alma team has done to develop those designated eld lessons aligned to the core literacy block is what is so powerful um, for our kids also for our teachers and leaders when i think back um, to being in the principal space and like how that knowing that that block was so important but we didn't have the resources that really connected and gave a student this really holistic experience Mm -hmm. um, i just think that we've moved in such a positive direction Right on. I mean, there's so much there that's really exciting. Um, just to kind of sit, one of the things that really struck me in, in what you said, because it shows up in, in my work in enrollment often, is that folks have a sense out there that the kind of instruction their children are going to receive is really, really dependent on the school that they go to, right? But I think I, does that, does that sound true to you? Or, or is there work here happening that's, that's, that's maybe moving in a more holistic direction? I love that question because I think the principal in me as well, um, five years ago, I would say that that might might have been true, Mm -hmm. that there was a lot more differential. I think the work that we've done is so beautiful in the sense that it is bringing coherence. Mm -hmm. Like the fact that we redefined a vision for language and literacy again four years ago, um, and we've got over a thousand staff that have been trained in that vision and really have had the opportunity to unpack like both the curriculum, what it is, but then also the why and the why behind these shifts has meant that there's um, more of a foundation across our schools Mm -hmm. in this like baseline understanding. Um, And now we're at a position where, again, by program, if you go into an English only school, yes, you can expect that your student's going to get these rich tasks that I'm talking about, culturally relevant texts in EL education. They're going to be super engaged because it's fun as well. Um, And you can expect that your student's getting explicit, systematic, sequential foundational skills instruction in their kinder first and second grade and in third through fifth that they still are showing that they need that because of the systems and structures that we've made really across our schools. Yeah, yeah. I think that's really, I mean, the thing you said about like teachers sitting up at night figuring out where they're going to teach the next morning is, is just such a really critical, th- we need to shift away from that, right? And my own principal journey was really starting to embrace curriculum and not seeing it as this static, boring, uh, anti-revolutionary, anti-liberating thing, but really like it is the antidote to like a bunch of of, of folks sometimes in their 20s without a lot of experience deciding what kids are going to learn today at a time when honestly they should probably be asleep, right? Like recharging for the next morning and really like, like it, it's, that's how stark the choice is, right? Like either we have 3,000 teachers figuring it out on their own every, every night, 
like not like every night Absolutely. figuring out on their own yeah. or or we've embraced a, a successful curriculum that is made by experts. Absolutely. Right? And that's why I think the process to decide on those curriculums mm-hmm. were as rigorous as they were because we knew it was such a high stakes decision. Yeah. Right. We knew that we needed to pick something that ticked all of the boxes that we wanted that mm-hmm. supported our English language learners. Right. That was like culturally relevant, but also aligned to evidence based literacy instruction. Um, so absolutely, that resonates. Yeah, and so you mentioned science of reading, which is yeah. is a buzzword. Yep. It's, it's part of you know you can you can listen to famous podcasts about that. You can read about it. How does everything that you shared that's part of the district's approach align to the bucket of knowledge that's called the science of reading? Such a great question. Um, so I think the first thing that I'd like to stamp is that vision setting. We spent so much time cross department, um, sitting in groups, really thinking about that shift that we wanted to make in 2020 and defining what we wanted to be true for students in terms of literacy. And it took us a year to define that language and literacy framework with our special education um, department, with our multilingual learner um, department, with um, academics, with principals, with teachers. We brought a lot of stakeholders, we brought um, families into the space. and we we would look at what is not actually a new body of research. Mm -hmm. The science of reading, we know if you listen to the podcast, all the things, the national panel um, has been around for a long time. It's just that uh, not all curriculum publishers have been very mindful, cognizant. um, How do I say this? Um, Careful about making sure (laughs) that all of their decisions um, are reiterating what is said in that body of research. For instance, we were not at a place where we were explicitly teaching foundational skills, so phonological awareness, um, decoding, explicit high-frequency word instruction, fluency. That was not showing up in a curriculum where you would walk into any school in Oakland and see that happening. Now it is. We're not making progress simply by choosing a curriculum, but right. it's because we've chosen a curriculum that's aligned to uh, uh, the the best understanding of the research, yep. the science that's there, and our own kind of contextualized vision. Because yep. that's also the thing that always comes up is like, yep. well, I'm sure this is nice, but is it yeah. good for Oakland kids, yeah. right? And and sometimes we use that framework uh, in ways that support our young people, yep. and then sometimes we use it in ways that yeah. maybe keeps them away from resources that are really helpful for them. Yeah. I actually think that's a really important point for both families and teachers and everyone to know since it was four years since we created that vision. The vision was created based on reference for like evidence-based instruction, science of reading, what are best for English language learners, um, what is best for all students, but also within the context of Oakland. Mm-hmm. What are the equity practices that we want to see showing up in classrooms, mm-hmm. um, right? Leveraging culturally and linguistic assets, right? Um, interrupting deficit thinking, those equity practices and we built that vision to help us right choose uh, the curriculum that we've chosen so I, I see our vision both as an anchor and as a north star mm. right it anchors some of those decisions that we made for curriculum as well as it provides us with these are the essential elements that we should see in a classroom mm-hmm. yeah. right on that's great so when we're talking about instruction we know that not every kid is going to learn at the same pace there's going to be kids that struggle for you know whatever you know number of reasons What's built into our plans and our approaches and our resources to support young people who um, aren't, uh, you know, maybe not picking up reading as quick as, as we'd, we'd like? 
Yep. I love that question because first grade. I love that you love my questions. Like the the positive (laughs) feedback on this is really that that I'm feeling great right now. (laughs) They're good questions. Um, Yeah, I think first grade teacher hat back on. You know that you could have a class of 24 students, um, and within those 24 students, you've got six high flyers um, that are picking things up really quickly, Mm -hmm. and six students that are still operating um, maybe at a kinder level and need different supports. Mm -hmm. And I think what is really brilliant about the system that we've created is that the differentiation is built into our vision. So it's built into our curriculum. With um, SIPS is our curriculum for uh, decoding and phonics, a systematic instruction in phonics, phonological awareness, and sight words. Um, that was good. That was good. <laughs> you place students into small groups by their needs. So that if you are in first grade and your um, classmates are moving through learning um, to blend words with with digraphs like th, sh, sh, but you are still working on blending short vowels and consonants with s, a, and t, s, at, right? Um, that you get that explicit instruction with your short vowels and consonants, mm-hmm. um, while also getting exposure to the grade level standard mm-hmm. work. Um, and I think what's brilliant is that we've thought through how do you manage that as a teacher, mm-hmm. especially with the number of priorities um, that are asked of our educators. And so we've built out what we call our Literacy Liberator program, where we have community members, aunties, uncles, moms, dads, where they step in and they support our teachers with instructing our students in those differentiated small groups. Mm. Um, so we've got a lot of tutors out there. Actually, every single elementary school this year will have a tutor to support them with this work and making wow. sure that students all have access to the precise skills um, and content that they that they need. And that's not like a special program at one school or for kids with an IEP in special education that, Oh, I just used an acronym. Oh uh. my gosh. But this is for, it's for that. You're saying this is just like kind of default. This is the program. Everyone's getting access to uh, a, a reading tutor if they need it. Yeah, absolutely. We built it over years. So this is a first year. It's in every school. Okay. Uh, we were kind of using a metric of need before. So we had it in 39 schools. Mm-hmm. Um, the number of tutors per school might vary, but every school has a tutor that plugs into this specific block, the foundational skills block, so that students are able to be split into differentiated small groups and get that instruction daily wow. at the level that they need. That's really impressive. Yeah. And like for folks who haven't been to school in a minute, when you're saying small groups, should they be thinking 15 kids? What what should they be thinking about? All these good questions. They should be thinking of, again, a class of 24 and the teachers pulling six students to work with them. Wow. Six. And tutors pulling another six students. And the other 12 are doing maybe a rotation of different things that um, are also aligned to what they should be working on. Right on. Yeah. That is a small group. That's not That's like a, small a group. smaller group, no, right? Yeah. It's a small group. You know, and so there's some there's some community f- members of our community in OUSD who are really concerned about kids getting those basic skills, and then there's other community members who feel like, nope, my kid's going to come ready. I need them accelerated. So what are we doing for kids that maybe are progressing really rapidly, ready for more challenge? 
Absolutely. I think our students um, that are ready for more challenge have access to an amazing curriculum that already extends and pushes. Mm -hmm. So EL education, there's so many opportunities to extend writing tasks to push uh, kiddos that need that additional challenge um, around that topic of knowledge that the modules focus on. But in terms of foundational skills, if a um, kiddo is placing and they are in second grade and really, you know, pushing to need to be like working on syllabication and multi-syllable decoding, um, they will get access to that. If they're in first grade and they need to be working on that, they can also, the way that some of our schools um, work on their small groups, they could be in a group with second graders. Um, that differs by site sometimes. Mm -hmm. So that is one of the things that differs. Um, and all of our students have access to iReady MyPath, which in itself is its own form of extension and challenge because every student takes a diagnostic at the beginning of the school year. Um, the adaptive technology gives them all a MyPath, which essentially gives them lessons based on their needs. So if a student is testing out a phonological awareness, they're not going to get rhyming lessons, alliteration. They are going to get pushed on vocabulary and comprehension around literature, comprehension around um, informational text. Um, and when they place in, if they get every kid gets a placement level. So if we're looking at a second grader and they're placing at a beginning of third grade, they're going to get beginning of third grade comprehension lessons through their my path. So there's always um, that opportunity for extension through that as well. And that's an online computer program. Yep. And it's in every school. Every school. So a lot of our teachers, I want to say most, but I'm not right. I'm not in every classroom, so I can't say um, use I Ready My Path when students are working independently to pull those small groups. So I just mm -hmm. explained mm -hmm. a small group working with a tutor, six kids, another six kids working with teacher. Um, one of the rest, another group of six kids could be on I Ready My Path while the other group of six kids is doing some word work or they're doing some writing. Um, yeah or some fluency practice. Let's take this quick break to hear from some Oakland Unified students. Hi, my name is Hazel. I'm a senior at Life Academy, and I want to appreciate one of my teachers named Mr. Driscoll. He taught biology at my school, and due to COVID, we all had online school, and it became very difficult to learn from afar. He wasn't really understanding of our situation, and he would give us really fun assignments. The assignment he would give us were to make a book about animals and draw the muscle systems. I typically enjoyed it because I'm an artist and I love using my skill anytime I could. He also made us feel comfortable and he would introduce us to his kids. It made us feel like we were part of his school family in a way. So in that vein, should a family who has the, who has the ability to do so, would you recommend that they teach their child to read at home before kindergarten? No. It, it's still the teachers, the principals, the school's responsibility to teach a kid how to read. With that being said, there are definitely things our families can do to support their kiddos at home. And we are so clear about that, that we wanted to create a lot of resources ourselves um, as a department and try to disseminate those resources in a way that feels accessible. I think we still have some work to do in that mm -hmm. area. Um, but we have created academic milestones so that a parent of a kindergartner can see what would be expected of my student entering into kindergarten. In, into kindergarten. 
what would be expected of my student entering into first grade and think, does my student have these skills, um, strategies, competencies, and if not, how can I support? And when I say, how can we support? We've um, also partnered with the Oakland Literacy Coalition to create this amazing website. I'm going to put a plug for it because folks should um, totally access it. Oaklandreads.org that has videos of our Oakland families doing strategies at home with their students just to support. I'm not saying you're doing that to teach your kid reading. I'm saying you're doing that to um, support in an area of growth. If you have a conference with a teacher and they say, "Ah, can you work on some phonological awareness activities with your kiddo at home? You know what phonological awareness means because that's a crazy buzzword. It means we're playing with sounds, (laughs) Mm -hmm. right? And how you play with sounds in a really fun way to support your kiddo because who doesn't want to support their kiddo? Mm -hmm. Um, I know I have a four-year-old and already we're like looking at letters in really fun ways and playing games. You know, we've been talking a lot about kinder, kids coming in reading in kindergarten, but a huge number of students are now entering as transitional kindergarten, right? And the state is expanding the access point for that. This school year, you had to turn five by April 1st. Next school year, you have to turn five by June 1st, right? And then it's going to go another two months. So how does TK fit into this? And and and, and how does transitional kindergarten as an entry point kind of connect to the early literacy work? Yeah, it's an amazing opportunity. I love this expansion work so much there's an ability to make sure that students in that classroom get an aligned experience to their kinder class. Um, But it's just so important in thinking through what do we want for kids in entering kindergarten? We want our students to be ready is the buzzword, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. What is kinder readiness? And I think if you talk to a lot of our TK educators, they would emphasize that Uh, social emotional learning competency, being in a space and a community, connecting with other kids, knowing how to solve problems, knowing how to navigate adult directions, multi-step directions, um, and some pre-literacy skills that do connect very much with um, literacy. We see a lot of our students that come through our TK programs roll into our kindergartens having all of those early literacy, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. skills that you would want a kindergarten coming in with. They know their letters. Um, We see the trajectory of our kids that have been in our TK programs over time. We've done research and just like in third grade, showing a lot of success on SBAC. Um, And I think it's just stamping what we know in that like formal environment to build all of those competencies. And again, I'm naming some of those social emotional learning competencies Mm -hmm. as some of the most important to really set them up for success in kindergarten so that the kindergarten teacher doesn't need to spend as much time talking through this is how we share with our partner this is how we follow multi-step directions um but they also have exposure to some of our phonological awareness um and our letter naming skills and some of those pre-literacy um skills as well no i mean it's real i i was retained in kindergarten did it twice um you don't have to feel bad for me i did a lot of biting and I did a lot of not socializing appropriately. I made a comeback. Yep. Yes, made, you did. A, made a comeback. Got Huge to college. One. I have. I have. I have a master's degree. But yeah. uh, but those things are really important, right? Totally. You have to. And I think that's also if we talk to a lot of kinder teachers. I'd love to get to even more reading and more of this instruction. We're also really focused on those things. And when and when kids have those skills, they can get to. Yeah. Um, 
it's not that they're not going to attend to it, right? But you can just kind of get to the, the main course a little faster. Absolutely. If a kid comes in already mastering their letters, the, you can start on decoding work right away. Mm-hmm. And then they can become stronger in their reading by the end of the year. And we actually saw, and I haven't gone back to see if it was because of our expansion in TK. But this past year, like our entry point of our kinders already mastering letters, like at a stronger rate. So I do think that as we see this expansion over time, we're going to see hopefully that impact on early literacy because of that readiness. That's great. So we do this work, we have this vision, we adopt curriculum, we bring tutors into classrooms. You know, at the end of the day, then, did it have an impact? Like, what are we seeing and what do we hope to see moving forward? I like the frame of what do we hope to see. I I know this doesn't sound accurate, but I still think that we're in early days of a shift that we've made in terms of really seeing the impact of our curriculum adoptions. Even when you think that last year was our first year rolling out the designated ELD English language development lessons. Um, so for teachers to have the time to get really good with a curriculum, you usually say three years, okay. right? So um, I want us just to hold that. And we've given our teachers a lot to learn in a short amount of time. We've also done some correlation analysis that shows our kiddos that are showing up to school are making their growth goals. And I know that's stating the obvious, but our students that are chronically absent are not making those goals at the same rate. So our kids that are coming and getting the rich experiences with the curriculum are meeting those growth goals that um, are set through the diagnostic. Yeah. Attendance in, in the post-pandemic world is a national challenge. There's no one who's not yeah. focused on that. Yeah. yeah. And I think the other thing that's worth naming is some of those test scores that get aggregated on those websites that people read, which we should also just say are trashy, those yep. websites. They're, they really benefit real estate agents um, and not the community. But those those don't kick until third grade. Mm-hmm. So a young person who might have had three years of this experience they maybe just took that big standardized test for the first time yep. last May. And those were the first kids that could have taken it, yep. right? So with the, that, the cohort that got these these shifts, I mean, we, yep. we don't, we, it'd That's be hard, point. we can count on our fingers, but they're not going to graduate high school for quite some time, right? Yep. Like, we, yep. so we haven't even moved, we, they haven't even, they're not even in middle school yet. Nope. We haven't even moved a group of kids through the elementary experience. So this is, I think it is fair to say this is very early in the in the adoption. Okay, we need to. We're talking about learning. We're talking about schools. So it's time for a true/false pop quiz. Are you ready? Maybe not. I don't know. Okay, well, <laughs> let's do that's it. That's anyway. the thing about the pop quiz is that, like, which <laughs> may not even be part of the, you know, may not even be part of the instructional design anymore. It might not even be good pedagogy. But we're bringing it in here. So, true or false? OUSD is still using Lucy Calkins curriculum. False. Boom. Boom. True or false? Number two. All students and teachers have access to high-quality reading curriculum. True, absolutely. True or false? OUSD leaders dressed up like letters to celebrate kinder reading gains at Burkhalter Elementary School last year. Very true, and we'll probably do so again this fall. Um, Were you there? (laughs) Yes, I was. What letter were you? Uh, I was R for my first name. And uh, last, true or false, every elementary school has a reading tutor to support that small group instruction and make sure kids are, are on track to, to gain all the knowledge they need. 
true. I think that we are still possibly hiring for a couple vacancies, but we are going to fill them and make sure that every school has a quality tutor that we are supporting as well with coaching. And it's a really phenomenal program. The Literacy Liberator Fellowship that we've created with partnership um, with the Oakland Reach and Fluent Seeds um, has brought in community in such a powerful way. It's really making this campaign for early literacy, as we call it, a citywide campaign. I've heard you name some partners and some uh, community-based organizations that are really supporting us. Do you want to just take us just talk a little bit about all the groups that are maybe at the table supporting these this reading work in Oakland Unified? Yes, so many groups that I really hope I'm not going to forget. We brought to the table a lot of communities. So we actually developed our priorities and our strategic plan in partnership with a lot of our community members um, invested in early literacy. So I think of we had Fulcrum and NAACP. We had the Rainin Foundation, Rogers, Warriors. We had folks from Eat, Learn, Play, um, Ed Fund, OLC. I could name Oakland Literacy Coalition. Sorry for the acronym. Um, and I think it's really important to step back and realize that we, because it's a citywide campaign, campaign and initiative that we have a lot of folks that are supporting and propelling the work forward um, in different various ways. Thinking about the Literacy Liberator Fellowship, and I named the Oakland Reach and the Fluencies, our partners that have supported us create this, really this campaign for filling those vacancies, going out, finding community members, and then training them and supporting them with onboarding. Um, it's been this magical space and really excited for all the folks that we're bringing in to hopefully retain in that position, but also give a pathway to other roles in OUSD. Mm-hmm. But that position, that K2 Early Literacy Tutor position is really um, been made possible by Kenneth Rainin Foundation. Um, so Rainin Foundation has supported a lot of our early literacy work and namely like supported us making sure that those um, positions were available for our, for our kiddos. So I think it's important to name them. The other, I mean, I guess we should also, we'd be remiss if we didn't say, if, if you're listening to this and you're saying, there's a job out there for me to work with four amazing kindergartners and teach them letter sounds like how do folks find out more about that or maybe see if that's for them who can they contact yeah absolutely we usually have a pull posting up on our adjoin so you can find early literacy tutor is a classification um we also have a literacy liberator website so my name's romy tricksmith you can email me and i'll give it to you um but yeah reach out we would love to just uh, engage as many um folks in that role and get folks folded in so absolutely. So edjoin.org, the yes. literacy, literacy literacy liberator website yep. or email Romy Tricksmith at OUST.org. Romy Tricksmith, Director of Early Literacy, thank you for talking to us today on Grow With Us. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. Thanks. And now a moment of hella joy from the kids at Hoover Elementary School and their brand new playground. And that's our show for this week. Thank you so much for giving us a listen. Grow With Us is me, Killian Betlock, with support from Bobby Jordan, Mario Capitelli, and Kip Scott. Our theme music and production is from Brian Ostriker. To stay in touch with the great and exciting work happening at OUSD schools every day, 
follow on Instagram at Town Sprouts OUSD, at Oak in the Middle, at the link OUSD. We'll see you next week. <laughs>